before, and we're glad you're in our service tonight. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, the first 20 verses. If you care to follow along with me, there's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. Uh, If not, just sit and listen intently as we read what is normally considered the Christmas story once again. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. You know, this evening we're blessed and privileged to gather once again on Christmas Eve. Most of us have spent the last few weeks preparing for our Christmas celebration, and now it's upon us. We have shopped for the gifts, decorated our homes, baked those special goodies, sent out our Christmas cards, and on and on I could go, all of it leading up to the festivities of tonight and tomorrow. We've read the Christmas story from Luke once again. Here we find God's written record of the events that took place on one particular night in Judea just over 2,000 years ago. Amazingly, the events we read about are events that have affected every man, woman, and child ever born since that night. One of my favorite Christmas carols, is the one we know as O Holy Night, and we sang it. And that carol speaks of that night, that very special night, that night and all that happened that night that is still some 2,000 
years later, uh, profoundly affecting mankind. This evening, I want to focus for a few minutes on that night and the events of that night that makes it to be truly a holy night. The first thing we see as we read this account here is a night of divine instigation. In the first seven verses, it tells us about the events of Christ's birth. And you know, the Old Testament prophecies of the Savior's birth had to be fulfilled. And those prophecies were that a virgin would conceive over in Isaiah, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 7, verse 14, says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it tells how the Savior would be born in the lineage and take the throne of David. And then that uh, in, in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it tells how the Savior was to be born in Bethlehem. Micah writes there, But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting. These prophecies had to be fulfilled, and that meant that Joseph and Mary had to be in Bethlehem when this child was born. And we see there the hand of God moving to bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem for that birth. Suddenly, uh, Caesar, Augustus, declares that there's a tax to be paid, and that, that tax would require every person to go to the city of their, of their people and uh, that caused Joseph and Mary to have to go to Bethlehem at this very, very serious and precise time when Mary is about to deliver. Here's God using an unsaved heathen, season, or Caesar, and seemingly negative circumstances. They're having to make this 90-mile journey at a critical time. Uh, all of that to bring God's plan into fruition. So we see a night of divine instigation. Listen, God's behind all of it and in charge of all of it. And then we find a night of unexpected desperation. And by that we learn upon arrival there's no room for them in the inn. No doubt they were weary from their journey. Mary's about to give birth. And while there's no room for them in the inn, they do find shelter. They find a shelter in a stable. And uh, I kind of call that a bare bones accommodation, if you will. The Savior's about to be born, but he's going to be born not in a palace, not in some royal place, but he's going to be born in one of the most humbling places you could find, born in a stable. And there's the, a miraculous incarnation that night. Mary gives birth to the Christ child. And we know that uh, what happened then at that instant was that the King of Glory would come to take on a human body and would lay in a feeding trough meant for livestock. Who, who would have ever foreseen such circumstances? But this was the circumstance of the birth of our Savior. So we see this as a night of divine instigation, God bringing his plans to fruition. And we see that it's a, a, a night of heavenly declaration. I like reading about that declaration the angels made to the shepherds. Uh, I kind of just kind of try to imagine uh, what was going on that night and, and what they must have experienced is suddenly they're out there in the, in the dark of night, just the usual everyday work-a-day, work-a-night 
shift for them. And suddenly there's a bright light and suddenly there's an angel who's bringing a message to them. The shepherds are tending their flock. They go about their normal routine and this angel disrupts their night. He brings tidings of great joy, he says. Now they were, they were knee-knocking scared when all this started to happen. And yet the angel calms them and says that they need not to be afraid that he has a message of great joy. And that message was that the Savior was born. The long-awaited Messiah has come. And not only does the angel announce that the Savior has come, he tells the shepherds where they can find him. The angel tells him he can be found in Bethlehem in a stable, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And then the Bible tells us how suddenly a whole host of angels appear and begin to sing and, and, and praise the Lord for what's happened. Here is God's announcement of the Messiah's birth to all men. A heavenly message brought by heavenly messengers. So we see here in the Christmas story a night of divine instigation, God behind it all. A night of unexpected desperation. There was no room for them in the inn. They had to spend the night in the stable. And then we see a night of heavenly declaration, this message that the angels brought concerning the coming of the Messiah. But then we see a night of responsive visitation. Something else I like when I read this story is that when the shepherds heard the news, they acted upon it. The Bible says, when they heard that the Savior was born, the Messiah has come, and they, they heard where he could be found, they decided that they needed to go and find him. They respond to God's message. They go to Bethlehem, and they find the Christ child, just as the angel said, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And I like what, what happens with these shepherds. The Bible tells us there in verse 17, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. <clears throat> when I read that, it tells me that these shepherds couldn't keep quiet about what they saw. Uh, listen, friend, when God does something in your life, it's hard to keep quiet about it. And that's what we see here. These, these shepherds had a special announcement from, the, from the, the angels of heaven. And that shows us that God cares about not just the upper crust people, but the very lowest and working class people. He sent those angels not to the, to the palace. He sent that, that angel with that announcement to these lowly shepherds out in the field. It's a night, a night of divine instigation, unexpected deprivation, a heavenly declaration, a response, a visitation. And then as I read this story, I find it's a night of motivating observation. Now in this, we'd have to go back to Matthew and, and read Matthew chapter 2, where it talks about the magi, the, the uh, wise men who came. Now, contrary to, to what tradition or, or people follow, uh, understand this, the wise men did not come and find Jesus in the stable. You say, well, I thought that's what it was. No, 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 a thousand times no. The Bible tells us when they came and found Jesus, he was probably two years old. Now, I'm not trying to ruin your Christmas nativity scene. I'm just trying to give you Bible facts. But it took these men a while to find him. And so we don't know how long it took, but as soon as they saw this star in the east that God had put there, 
as a special uh, <clears throat> indication that a very special event had taken place. They sought the king of the Jews to worship him. They recognized this star as a very special sign, and they began to follow it, and they understood its significance. As I said, that star, they understood, prophesied the coming of the king of the Jews. They brought their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, so that they might worship the king of the Jews. These wise men set out to find this long-awaited king. They, and it reminds me of what the shepherds did, respond to the revelation that they received. And so we have the shepherds receiving a revelation, and they respond. We have the wise men receiving a revelation, and they respond. May I share with you that when we receive the revelation of God, we're to respond as well. You say, well, are we receiving revelation? Oh, we have it in our hands right here. God's revelation of himself to us. God's revelation of our need for a Savior. And God's revelation of how he's provided the Savior. And that's what the Christmas story is all about. That Christ came to take on the body of a man to live a sinless life and to go to Calvary's cross in our place as our substitute so that we might be saved. And then finally, we see this as a night of incarnation. The Christ child is born. Jesus, on that night that we're reading about here, left heaven and the realms of glory and took on the form of a man. And we learn from the Bible that at that instant, God took on flesh and blood and would now live a human existence. Why, his very name, Emmanuel, means God with us. And so many people have the false idea that Jesus began to exist there in Bethlehem when he was born. No, 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 a thousand times no. Jesus has, has lived for all eternity. He is an eternal uh, God, and he's God in the flesh. When Jesus came in Bethlehem that night, he didn't just begin. He just changed his venue. He changed from heaven to earth and uh, came to live a human life. The babe lying in the manger is God incarnate. That's hard to grasp, that here's God, the creator of everything, the all-powerful one, now allows himself to be limited to that of a babe in a manger in Bethlehem. But it's what the Bible teaches us and what had to happen. God's promise then is now reality. You see, God had promised way back in the book of Genesis to send a Savior who would make a way of salvation for all men. Jesus came to live a sinless life, to die for our sins on the cross of Calvary so that we could have forgiveness of our sins. Jesus came to provide a way for each one of us to be saved. You say, saved from what? Saved from eternal torment in the fires of hell. Listen, friend. The Bible teaches that we're all sinners. Now, I know that doesn't sound very good at Christmas time, but it's a fact. We're all sinners. For all have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. And then the Bible tells us that there's a penalty to be paid for that sin. It says the wages of sin is death. And that death there has to do with eternal separation from God. Because we're sinners, we are to be eternally separated from God. God cannot fellowship with sin. And so we have a problem. We're sinners. God is just and righteous and holy, so we can't be in his presence or have his fellowship. 
Uh, but but God, God didn't want us to die and go to hell. The Bible says in 1 Peter, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And so God made a way. He's the only one that could make a way for us to have eternal life. And that way is through Jesus Christ. When Jesus went to Calvary's cross and shed his blood, he did it for you and he did it for me. He was taking our place. It was what they call a vicarious atonement. He took the place of those who really should have been there. There's a song we like to sing. I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung in that cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's son, took my place. And that's the good message of the gospel, that Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin, and now we can be forgiven and we can have eternal life, but we must come to him. God's salvation is available to any and all who will come to Christ and call upon him to be their savior. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, it tells us, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. There's, there's a picture in that verse, and the picture is Jesus standing at the door of the heart of every person who ever lives, wanting to save them, wanting to come into their heart and into their life, wanting to deliver them from the power of sin and the threat of hell. But Jesus does not force himself on anyone. But he makes a promise. If you, if you open that door, if you invite him into your heart, and into your life, he will come in and he will save you and he'll cleanse you from all your sin and give you eternal life. So many people are trying to earn their way to heaven and friend, there's no way to earn your way to heaven. If we could earn our way to heaven, then why would Jesus come as a babe and live a sinless life and die on that cross in our place if we could earn our way to heaven? No, it would all be in vain if we could do that. There's not enough good works to earn our way to heaven. The only way is through faith in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the Bible says we're sinners, we deserve hell, but God loves us. And you know, that's what Christmas is about, how much God loved us to send his son. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a wonderful God we have to love us that much, even though we're sinners, to send Jesus to die in our place. And all one needs to do to have eternal life is come to Christ. Tonight, we celebrate that night, that special night, that holy night, a little over 2,000 years ago, when the long-awaited and desperately needed Savior came. It was a night like no other night. We celebrate because he came to be our Savior. He came to die for you and to die for me. He came to make a way of salvation for each of us. And tonight, God offers salvation to every person in the world. I wonder, have you accepted God's gift of eternal life by receiving Christ as your Savior? If not, I would encourage you. You need to do that. Listen, friend, we're all going to die one day. The Bible says it's appointed of all men once to die. 
And after this, the judgment. Mm-mm-mm. And if we want to, if we want to end up in heaven with the Lord, we've got to come and be saved, be born again. I want you to bow your heads for just a minute. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful message of salvation. Thank you that you've put down the words on paper for us, the events of that night when our Savior stepped down from heaven, took on the body of a human, and came and did that for us. We thank you and praise you for that sinless life he lived, for the fact that he went to that cross and shed his blood, not for anything he did, but to atone for our sins. And now you've made the way. You've, you've given the gift of salvation. And I thank you for all those who have received it. I do pray for any that are here tonight that have never opened their heart to Christ and received that gift, that they would do it even before they leave here this evening. Thank you again for Christmas and our celebration. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, fellas, I want you to get these candles and get them handed out. Each year, 